If you read about the church of Ephesus, does anybody know there's a whole book in the New Testament called Ephesians? Six chapters, and it is beautiful. It's some of the most concentrated New Testament, new creation, victory, awareness that Paul ever downloaded. Fascinating revelation concerning the mysteries of the manifold grace of God that were previously hidden from the generations but are now made and revealed through the church. And he's taking, and he's gone from the context of Judaism that believes in a monotheistic, there's one God, he's the creator, and that he has these laws and commands that he's insisting upon, and there are prophets that have coordinated and have prophesied about a Messiah and the Messianic period that would come, and then there's something, a church age where the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. The Hebrew prophet Joel forecasts that, that, that he would pour out his Holy Spirit on all flesh, and that it would be inclusive, sons and daughters, men and women, uh, handmaidens and bondservants, that there would be miracle aspects to it, signs and wonders would accompany the church. Jesus said that, uh, that he would work with us and confirm his word with signs and wonders. Come on. And that he's never changed. He's still the same today. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I was watching a Tom Hanks uh, naval war film called Greyhound yesterday, and it was about a captain who had to fight out in the middle of the Atlantic on his first appointment in the military right at the beginning of the early 40s of the war, of America's involvement in the war, having to deal with U-boats and protecting uh, boats. The character, I don't know if it was based on a true story or not, but whoever wrote it, he was a believer and he, used, he was praying, he was prayerful, he cared about the souls of people, even of his enemies. And at the end, he knelt and prayed and on the poster inside of the door of his, of his area where he lived as a captain, it said, yesterday, today, and forever. I thought, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Everybody say it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we take these truths and we understand that the day of miracles has not passed, that God, in fact, is still performing and manifesting himself. He's, the day of opportunities have not passed. The doors are opening. He opens a door no man can shut. And here's what he said, a wide door, say this with me, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. Say a wide door. Now the word is megas and that's where we get megaphone. You know, people call a big church a mega church. It's just because it's a big church. I only know mega. When I read the Bible, the first day at Jerusalem, 3,000 were added to the church. That's all I know of church. When I got saved, it was in a major movement called the Jesus movement. I got in the word movement. I got in the charismatic movement. I, everything, God's moving. It's, there's nothing stagnant about it. And there's nothing little about it either. He's magnificent and he's mega and he, and he, and he opens a wide door, a mega door. It's not some little narrow thing. He, he leads us in a wide open path. Now, we do walk on a narrow path in terms of the rigidity of us walking, you know, with integrity and walking in the truth and walking by faith and turning our feet from evil and walking in righteousness. But when it comes to opportunity, God's given us big, huge, wonderful, massive potential. Now, you read about this in Revelation. It talks about the book of the Church of Ephesus when John was on the Isle of Patmos of, of how they were doing some good things, but they drifted from their first love. So the cautionary element there is 
always be doing the things you did at first, first love. I thought about this with marriage. It's like we got married, we started having babies, building house, paying bills, then started the church, and then all of the responsibilities that go with that. And before you know it, you go from sweethearts to roommates. And if you're not careful, you raise your kids, and that's all your identity is, and then they all move out, and then who are you? So we decided, let's keep that first love and so toward it, and so let's date, and let's have date night, and let's just have exclusive time, let's leave our, once phones became a big deal, let's leave our phones in the car, let's not read newspapers, let's, let's look at each other, let's talk, let's connect. That's how I feel about church. I'm grateful that we, man, where you go to church is important. I want to bloom where I'm planted. And so I come in and I'm believing God for the house God planted me in. I'm believing God for the marriage God planted me in. I'm believing for the babies God let me birth. And I'm believing God for the families that God has allotted to my responsibility in this house. I walked through this building yesterday alone and cried and prayed and sat in your seats and walked all through the building, lifting you guys up. Some of you I know, some of you I don't know, but I prayed for the ones I know and I prayed for the ones I don't know. Why? Because that's just the capacity God's put in my heart as a shepherd, as a pastor. That's just the, the mega thing that God wants to do in this mega moment, in this mega hour of mega blessing that our mega God is pouring out upon us. And by the way, it's a mega door that no man can shut. You're part of it. Listen, this is what he said. A wide door for effective service has opened to me. Take this personally. Personalize this. That each one of us, if we'll obey the Holy Spirit, will see exploits accomplished. God will help us to live out the dream. Hey, listen, we live in a town where President Thomas Jefferson dispatched Lewis and Clark right down the street from here to go all the way out to the West Coast and go out and interact with all those Native Americans and do all kinds of pioneering. I'm telling you, it's rich. Just the aspects of and layers of that in our particular region. Can I hear an amen? amen. And I had a guy prophesy to me about this oh, about a year ago. He did, you know, it was amazing. It was an accurate word. That God is wanting to dispatch commerce and dispatch uh, manifestations and raise up thinking quality forward ambassadors out of this house. I've always dreamt that this would be green pastures and quiet waters. So that during the pandemic, we bought that field from the Kirchhoffs, from Bill and Sandy Kirchhoff, eight acres. You know, there it is. We now have that field. It's like I just rode my bike on it and I just prayed in the spirit. I thought, well, God, you certainly must have a plan for this. My, my friend Harlan Bates, World War II veteran, one of the uh, allied troops that went in and in, into the uh, concentration camps and liberated the, the prisoners was some of the first, one of the first soldiers to liberate the prisoners, lived into his 90s, had a capuchin monkey for a pet and rode a motorcycle into his 90s. Guy was a trip. That's credibility right there. He's the one that told me, Pastor Jeff, right here in this field, I remember praying with these farmers. You know, he talked to me about the Bates family over in... Uh, Babbler Park, if up in the woods in an obscure place, there is a whole row of tombstones that have Bates written on them from the 1800s. It was his family. The guy lived out here, their, their family lived here for, I guess, a century plus. He said he used to go get arrowheads when they would plow the fields before that became a park, and he would sell them for $5 a bucket to Washington University. You imagine somebody 
God, for the greater glory of God. For the greater glory of God. Imagine a little Texas Pentecostal grandmother kneeling down by her bed and praying. And even this depiction on this film, this man who had to fight, 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 got down on his knees. I, whoever wrote, did the movie, I appreciate that they had the captain take his hat off and kneel down by his bed. And the last scene was him praying, quoting scripture, and going to bed. I thought, even in these times, there's still some depiction of honor toward the things of God and faith. But whether there is or not, we're going to take our place and realize that a great door of effective service opened for Paul. Is that correct? And because God is no respecter of persons, meaning that he didn't just have him as his favorite and then he skips over everybody else. No, the Bible actually says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth looking for men and women whose hearts are his that he may strongly support. So as long as we seek him, like Caleb did, the Bible says he had a different spirit in him because he sought the Lord his God fully. Adjustments are being made right now. I'm, I'm adjusting my heart. I adjusted my heart at communion. I'm adjusting my heart as I'm speaking right now because I intend to live out what I'm talking about. I want to practice what I preach, and I'm required to do it on my personal Christian life. Not just my function as a pastor, but as my function as Jeff Perry the Christian. I was a Christian before I was called into the ministry. And when the ministry is no longer necessary in eternity and there are other kingdom duties we do out there blazing out, blasting out in the universe, whatever it will be, the best part of what I'm going to have is my relationship with God where I'm going to be able to go, hey, Jesus, and watch him walk by. You know, I'll be talking to Abraham. Hold on, Abraham. Hey, Jesus. Right? Hey, David, could you put your harp down for a minute? Hold on, hold that, hold that note. Hey, Jesus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I read a book where a person went and had an experience in heaven. It, it's supposition. You don't make doctrine out of this. People say they went to heaven. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But it's encouraging anyway. It's not, I don't base doctrine on it, but I thought it was amazing that they fell at the feet of a being most glorious. It was written a long time ago, so it was, pro, the pros, it was prosaic. It was, it was older literature. I fell at the feet of a being most glorious, meaning they had seen Jesus in heaven. But before they hit the floor, he picked them up, and he said, Welcome, my child, to the abode of the righteous. Boy, that spoke to me as a young Christian, because I thought the first thing I'd probably do is, I don't know, feel unworthy, you know, that kind of thing. But yet, our, wor our worthiness is not based on our performance. It's based on what Jesus supplied on Calvary. I, you know, last time I was in Israel, a lady that had some uh, physical issues asked me if I would help her get to the, tomb, the garden tomb. And uh, so I said, okay, so that let me cut through the whole line because she, she was special needs. So, um, and I wasn't even going to go because I had been there many times and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. But so then I got to go one more time. So I took her there, and I thought about maybe this is the actual garden tomb. A lot of the archaeologists think that it is. And, and in case it is, it was, if it, even if it isn't, it was something close to it, something close by it, and something that looked like it. So I just thought, okay, because I'm not into fetishes, and I'm not into icons, and I'm not into you know, being in a certain place at a certain time. Like, I don't need to go lay on, on uh, Daniel Boone's grave and soak and get his pioneer spirit. That's ridiculous. You don't need to do that. 
You don't need to do that. You, you have the Holy Spirit. Why do you need to go do something like that? You don't need to do that. You get what you need right now with your Bible. You get what you need right now in your prayer closet. Wherever you go, as far as the Holy Land goes, every place on which the sole of your feet tread, God's given it to you. Come on, everywhere you go, because Jesus has made you holy, that's the Holy Land. On the other hand, though, I get a lot of inspiration, and you should, we'll do teams and we'll, as God leads and we have opportunity again and travel becomes okay. I would like to have people go there because it'll enrich your study. It'll, it'll amplify your awareness. You'll, you'll attach significance to the places. But you know, there's going to come a time people will attach. I got saved there, here, in this little, this little burg, this little cluster of business buildings that we converted. This little, these little bean fields that we redeemed. And they'll be, oh yeah, this used to be farmland, and then it became, then it was business, and then it became a church. And now look what's happening for the, whatever God has up ahead. It's mysterious, but it's exciting. A great door of effective service has opened. God opens doors into people's lives. Apparently the Vietnam veteran that picked me up hitchhiking saw an open door in my life. He didn't know, but God had moved on me, and two weeks before I said, God, if you're real, please show me. And sure enough, God sent a wide-awake Christian to communicate hope and help to me with his testimony of how Jesus had changed his life. God tapped out a girl named Jill Cosby from my high school, Alta Loma High School, to go to my house, knock on the front door, not take no for an answer, and go to the garage door and knock on the garage door. Who knocks on a garage door? And this girl was a brand new Christian. She was actually a socialite. In today's world, she'd be the one that has more followers on Instagram, and she'd be the one that talked like this every time she talked. That would have been what her thing would have been. She'd have had, she'd have had burn voice. You know, that whole, if it was in that time, that's what she would have been like. She was a socially adept beauty of an upper middle class structure and all that kind of stuff and networked with the social group. She became a Christian, and she invited me to church. And I remember a guy named Bob, Pastor Bob. He had a feathered hairdo and bell bottoms, and he had the fire of the Holy Spirit. He later got married to a wonderful lady. And coincidentally, years later, I went on a mission trip to, uh, to uh, Cambodia, and there was a group of people worshiping God in a building in an upper floor in, the, in, the, in, in Kampuchea, uh, in uh, uh, the main city. What was the city? Phnom Penh. And um, I went up there and I met a guy and he put two and two together. His dad got led to the Lord by the same pastor as me. And we were there all the way across the planet. And that guy probably, he didn't, he, he didn't live, he lived and died kind of young. And I thought, we are products of that pastor's ministry. And I, I just had that, that connection in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, upstairs in this obscure room. People riding bikes and motorcycles, no regard for the lanes. You think people are driving crazy here? And, no, and they just ride on their horn, and they're no, none of them are mad. There's no road rage. They're like, hey, how you doing? It's, it's awesome. They just don't get mad. They get all the, they exert it all out of their horn. Say this with me. I've been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this. He said, for a great door, a mega door, a wide door for effective service has opened to me and there are many adversaries. We're not burying our heads in the sand. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one through about 10 says, 
realize this, that in the last days, difficult, perilous times will come. Now, that is not designed to freak you and me out. That is an important warning slash exhortation so that we can have a heads up, be ready, understand the times, not take the bait of a lesser battle, and really calibrate for what lies ahead in these upcoming times that God has put us in. God knew we would be alive at this time, so it's good, right? The things you've prayed for, prayer people, God is bringing to pass. The things that that Marlon Bates heard when the farmers dedicated the property here after 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s now are coming to pass. The things that Lincoln gave his life for the things that, that made Daniel Boone want to leave Boonesboro, Kentucky and come right here. Do you know that we have an overpass named after Daniel Boone, Boone's Crossing? And if we're not careful, we'll dismiss it. People want to get rid of biblical history and get rid of all that because we overcome by the word of our testimony. So the devil doesn't want us to know these markers and these defined patterns and the ways of the Holy Spirit, but we've got to study the word. In fact, here are seven things I want you to do as you're preparing for this end time move. Pray every morning. When you start your day, before you have your coffee, before you turn the TV on, or anything else, start developing a prayer approach and speak to the Lord and speak about love for him and worship him. Number two, read your Bible every day. Get a good Bible reading plan. I think we have one online. Sometimes we print them. I don't know, just I have, I'm on a good Bible reading program. I've got these ribbons in here. So I'm reading 10 chapters at a time all through the Bible so I could get a good New Testament, Old Testament, uh, prophecies, poetry, uh, revelation, epistles. I'm trying to read and get a good a balanced diet, you know, there's a little bit of salad, there's some protein, there's some carbs, you know what I'm saying? So I could read the Bible every day. Be quick to repent, quickly confess your sin and receive the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. I, I heard a pastor say, God loves people who repent of little things. Don't let them accumulate, don't let your heart harden, stay tender, we're not sin conscious, but we do stay repentant. We do stay yielded. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. My helmet of salvation helps me in my thought life. My loins are girt about with truth. I have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Say, be prepared. Make a covenant with your eyes and your ears. The Bible says, by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you. Be careful what you listen to. For by your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you and more will be given besides. And like Job said, I've made a covenant with my eyes. So it's important that we guard our eye gate and our ear gate, especially as crazy as the world's become. Maintain a strong relationship with those to whom you are spiritually accountable. Stay committed, stay submitted, stay, stay humble. Number seven, regularly attend a church that teaches from the Bible, right? And I'll close with 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Are you ready? Stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do 
be done in love. Be on the alert means be aware. And I want to give you a definition. Readiness is to be completely prepared or in condition for immediate action, use, or progress. Everybody say completely prepared. We sent a bunch of doctors to Haiti after the earthquake. Dr. Herb Haupt, major doctor, surgeon, one of the premier surgeons of the area. He attracted brilliant doctors and technicians. And he was preparing. And he showed me, we were over in one of the buildings and he had all this, these titanium rods and all these sophisticated things. I just looked at this as a, as a layman who didn't go to medical school. I, was, I, I got chills. I was looking at this. This is from another world. This guy's developed this, and he was preparing. He made sure he had the right, right anesthetics and the right anesthesiologist. He made sure he had the right nursing staff, and he made sure that he had all of his sterile scrubs and things like that all ready to go. He was dialed in. I've watched these guys at the fire department. They're so ready. They're poised. Even their shifts, their schedules, they spend the night there. They cook there, and they, yet they're not overly familiar. They're ready to dispatch. You know, they'll get a call, a 911 call, and they'll be out of there sometimes under a minute. They'll, they'll, it takes time to put on their gear. So they're putting their gear on while they're going. They've got it laid out where it's there. Part of it's there, part of it's there, part of it's there. You remember the famous ones where they'd have a, a pole to slide down? I mean, how cool was that when you were growing up, thinking you could have a job where you could slide down a pole like at the playground for a job? But it was in order to be quick. When I came back from the boating accident and we were both in critical condition, they had teams, one for my friend and one for me. They were totally separate. This team intercepted me, this team intercepted me. They did scans and they did x-rays They with him. They started clearing his throat so he could breathe. I looked over, I saw them for hours working on him to save his life. All the way around the bed, from the head of his bed to the end of his bed, all the way around, probably 12 or 15 people, all night. Then they rushed him upstairs and they worked on him and my wife was there waiting. I said, please, I know you can't tell me, but can you tell me at least if he's alive? And they worked all night to save him. I got a text from him yesterday. I was here praying. He was at home reading a book. His wife was on a prayer meeting and I thought God saved him because people were ready. I thought God planted us here because a farmer dedicated the land to the Lord. I thought we live in a country because people like Lincoln fought the fight. People like Daniel Boone pioneered and believed something good can come out of the frontier. I'm a Christian because pioneering souls prayed for lost, disenfranchised kids and cold, formalistic churches. We're standing in this moment because our God has a plan. He's opening up a mega door of effective service. The people who know their God shall be strong and do exploits. He said, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Hallelujah, let's all stand up on our feet, immediately available, mentally disposed, uh, made suitable, apprehending and responding with sensitivity and speed. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Let's stretch. I could hear your joints. I could hear your knees crackling. It's a beautiful sound. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Look at somebody and say, be steadfast. Look at somebody else and say, immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing 
that our toil, our labor, our efforts, our work is not vain in the Lord. The fervent heartfelt prayer of a righteous man avails much. When we pray, we believe we receive. When we speak to the mountains, be assured that the mountains have to be removed. And even when you leave this building, you'll go out with joy, you'll be led forth with peace and the mountains will break before you. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. When you drive by those cottonwood trees and you see those bare branches, you look up there and imagine they're, they're like their hands and they're lifted up and they're worshiping God that created them. The trees of the fields will clap their hands. I mean, even inanimate objects, if we don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. So we might as well cry out. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Go through those doors and trust God. Start with the Bible and prayer every morning. Keep your heart humble and tender. Stay tender before God. Stay planted where you're planted. Stay in track with what God's calling you to do. Don't veer to the right or the left. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Everybody say, get ready, set, go. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.